Welcome into this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan and Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we become in the process. Now let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Guys, I don't know about you, but I have hundreds of old t-shirts that carry meanings and memories and I don't know what to do with them. I put them in a box, they sit there, but I can't give them away. Q Project Repat. They are taking old t-shirts and turning them into new blankets so you can see those memories every single day. Project Repat has produced over 200,000 blankets and they're all custom. You send in the shirts, they make it so easy, and on the back they put fleece that's made out of recycled plastic. So not only is it warm and cozy, but it's helping the environment as well. Project Repat also stands for repatriating textile jobs back to the U.S. There are now 50 people making t-shirt blankets in this country. All in all, this is awesome, you guys. The turnaround time is two to four weeks. You can have anything from a 16 shirt blanket to a 64 blanket. Since you guys are avid listeners to Show Your Scars podcast, you get a special 30% discount on your own Project Repat blanket. Go to Project Repat, that's Project R-E-P-A-T, Dot com and use the code show your scars to get your memories turned into a cozy blanket now do it it's the perfect time hey show your scars jordan here and i have a really fun guest today ryan flanagan is a professional lacrosse player he plays in major league lacrosse this past year he played for the new york lizards and before that he played for the Charlotte Hounds and the North Carolina Tar Heels. So he has a lot of experience in the lacrosse world. And we got to sit down and chat because Ryan Ryan reached out to me. Um, uh, his girlfriend is actually a friend of mine and an old teammate of mine. And he is just interested in helping a lot of people with injury recovery and the mindset. And especially with his last injury, he went through an ACL injury last season during the major league lacrosse season. So he's really interested in willing to help people as they go through this process because he himself now knows it can be a challenging few months or a year trying to get yourself back from an ACL injury. Ryan and I kind of start off talking about how he loved sports growing up and his love for football and his love for lacrosse and how he had to choose between the two that his injuries in high school and college helped prepare him and, and jumpstart this idea of how he treated the preparation for being an athlete, that it wasn't just about playing, it was about how you feed your body, how you work out, how you lift, all those things. The ins and outs of Major League Lacrosse and how after his injury he was a little hurt by what happened, but it turned out to be not a bad transition going at all to the New York Lizards because he actually got to go home and play near his hometown. How one injury led to another in his latest injury with his ACL and why this injury stopped him from going to the Olympics. Then lastly, he kind of talks about his mindset to get back on the field after his ACL injury last year. Just want to thank Ryan for his time, and I hope all of you enjoy his outlook and his just journey to where he's gotten today. He has a really cool story, and I am so excited to share it with you. So here he is, Ryan Flanagan. Hey, Ryan, it's Jordan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? 
Doing well, doing well. Enjoying a uh, another another day of work in the books. Yeah, what do you do? Because I know Major League Lacrosse is different, right? You guys all work full-time jobs and then just kind of shuttle back and forth over the weekends, right? Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the, the weekend hero approach. So, yeah, <laughs> most of us so – I work in banking um, in Charlotte, so I work at Bank of America, actually. Um, and, yeah, a lot of guys have actually become full-time – we call them full-time lacrosse people. So Oh, really? Coaching, yeah, they're not – our salaries are ter- are just low, like – I guess when you compare what we do versus your league, uh-huh. we get paid pretty well because it's just a week because we just have to do it on weekends. But guys are making, on average, say seven thousand dollars or eight thousand dollars for the summer. Um, oh. But a lot of guys have been able to supplement that with sponsorships or camps or clinics. Like I run my own club program, um, so a lot of guys have different things like that. So I'd say probably six or their or their coaches in college somewhere. Um, so I'd say probably sixty to seventy percent of the league at this point is somehow involved in lacrosse uh, most of the time yeah that's interesting and you kind of do it you double almost triple dip (laughs) you you coach and you you have a full-time job and you play yep yes I started my club program uh, right when I got out of school actually I I did the typical a lot of the people in lacrosse you'll do your spring season and you'll bounce around for that first summer out of school just playing and doing a lot of camps um, so I ran my own camps that first summer out um, and ended up in Charlotte. And when I got here, just like kind of continued going with my camps. And uh-huh. one thing led to another, it grew to like, we'll see anywhere from probably 600 to 800 kids a year um, wow. in all just different types of programs. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, that worked out really nice too, to have that as something uh, right out of college that you can not only make some money, but impact a lot of kids' lives. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been uh, it's been really fun. I mean, you learn a lot from running your, as you probably know, just from being yeah. running your own business and brand. There's a ton of lessons there, um, and we're in sales essentially because we're trying to sell our programs and our camps to parents. So there's that aspect of it. And, mm-hmm. um, it is obviously the nice thing is it's something you're really passionate about. So it balances like the frustration of a parent being mad at me about playing time is offset by like you said, the little kid that's playing for the first time or. With us now, it's a lot of like kids recruiting, kids getting recruited, and kids committing. Like, there's a huge payoff there. Of yeah. Working with a kid for five or six years at this point, and then they commit to what, like we just had a kid go to Washington Lee, which is a great school. And you talk to the parents, and they're like, "We would have never dreamed of this happening." Oh. So that stuff is, is really fun. And lacrosse is like, I mean, it's been big on the East Coast for a while, but I mean, the, overall, the sport is just continuing to grow and grow and grow. Is it something that? Um, where did you grow up and like, was that your first sport or how did you kind of fall in love with that sport? Yeah. So I grew up in New York. So I was right on Long Island in a lacrosse hotbed, uh, but I wasn't the kid that grew up the stick in my hands. Like my parents, my mom never played. My dad had played a little bit like post-college just cause guys on Long Island were playing and they were both from Long Island. Uh, but I actually played football and I love football was always my passion up until like even during the recruiting process it was kind of where was I going to be able to get a better degree football or lacrosse and Uh naturally lacrosse is at a lot of the better academic schools so that's how how it all shook out um but I got in my neighbor played and a lot of people in my neighborhood played so my parents would be working on the weekends I'd kind of get pushed off to them and they would all play so one thing led to another and it was that's what everybody in the neighborhood was doing so I got into it and now it's they're probably not playing anymore. And yeah, right. For, for as long <laughs> it, as I can. Isn't that funny how that works out? Like, yeah. um, I don't know. It's such a, 
it really is the people who find the most passion in it, like find their way some way or how. And um, it doesn't have to be like, uh, hold on. I need to turn that off where the where your phone um, rings on your computer. I have to turn that off. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But if, what was I saying? The passion. And it's just cool to see who kind of like makes it in, in a different way. And so you went from New York and then you played at North Carolina. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So New York went to UNC. Uh, and then right out of school, my senior year, actually, I had to get, I broke my, the sesamoid bones, which are like small bones at the oh, bottom yeah. of your feet. Uh huh. Pretty common soccer um yeah so broke both of the one in each foot one my junior year and one my senior year and then after school just got them both fixed uh, and the doctor robert anderson's like one of the best foot doctors in the world he's down in charlotte um, and my little sister was going to school in charlotte so it was like all right well i don't really have a, the job i had at the time gave me the flexibility to kind of live wherever i wanted um, got it so moved that's kind of how charlotte came to be yeah yep yep so i had no intention of moving here like it was I knew I wanted to keep playing lacrosse and I knew I wanted to be in the same city I was going to play in. So whether that was New York or Charlotte or Denver, like Charlotte had just announced the year before I graduated, they had announced they were going to have a team. Um, so I had a little bit of options. So I was actually drafted to play in Toronto because there, oh. there was a team at the time in Toronto and didn't play that year because of the foot surgeries, but ended up, like I said, it was either going to be Charlotte New York was an option. Denver had a team and Boston had a team. So it was all these different cities where I could work and play and live and, and do it all together. Um, and then it just kind of fell into Charlotte and one thing led to another and I've mm -hmm. been here for was it, six years now. What was going to UNC like? Cause I think for every outsider, it's like, what a sports school. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's awesome. It's incredible. So I actually originally committed to Johns Hopkins, which is right in downtown Baltimore, like, yeah. pure lacrosse school and it's always been a lacrosse powerhouse but outside of lacrosse like it's kind of a medical school it's not I mean I, I knew I didn't want to be a doctor so it's Hopkins is just very different and I also mm -hmm. didn't think I could play there but um that was very different and then I kind of like a ton of high school age kids like realized okay I want something more like I want to be at a big sports school where I can go to football and go to basketball but still get yeah. a good degree and um, Carolina was perfect because it's a big campus, but your school, your classes are actually pretty small. Like throughout my four years there, I think I took maybe two or three classes that had a hundred plus kids in them. And those were usually like your level 100 history class or your level 100. Um, like I took my drama classes were pretty big, but most of your, like your math classes, your English, your science was all your economics, like all that stuff for me was really small, yeah. um, which is great because you still had all that, that big school feel and Franklin street, which is the main street on campus is, is a pretty special place. And it's just one strip of like all the, of the school stores that have all the sports stuff and the, all the restaurants you go into have sports memorabilia on the walls mm -hmm. and famous UNC athletes on the walls. So it was a, it was a really cool thing to be part of. And on the lacrosse side, it was, it was cool. It was great for me because we weren't very good, believe it or not. We were actually the year before I got there, they had made the playoffs for like the first time in a long time. They just had, were for a long time. They were just not good at all. And, and then my coach was actually fired my freshman year. That coach was fired. So my sophomore year, we had a new coach for the rest of my career and he's the one who's still there. So okay, it was a lot of frustrations at the time, but it was cool to be part of turning around, helping to turn around the lacrosse program. And then they, they ended up winning the national championship uh, in 2016. So like to see 
to get I was there when that process started and yeah through a couple years later it was really cool that's awesome to uh, yeah mm -hmm. you're the you're the beginning you set the tone yeah and yeah. they're women it wasn't as fun oh yeah I'm sure the, not, uh, not the 6 a.m practices and 5 30 a.m practices were not as fun at the time but <laughs> back, it, was, it was all good right exactly mm -hmm. um yeah their women's team is good too um I know Dan mm -hmm. Dan Levy's wife coaches the team yep. right yep Yep. Yeah. So Jenny's the coach, and we—I mean, just with Dan, I was between soccer and lacrosse, and that just going—we know him pretty well. Right. Uh, sure. And the women, every—I mean, every, like every sport there is good for the most part, right? Everybody's yeah competing for a national championship, which is cool because when you're in the weight room and when you're in—they have a great leadership development program, so or the training room, like you're always surrounded by world-class athletes, oh, uh, yeah. which is awesome. And then the women's lacrosse team was great. They were good when I was. They made their—I think they played in their first championship game when I was a sophomore or junior um, and then they won they won two of them I want to say in 2013 and 2016 um, so it was cool same thing I, it, it's just cool to be every sport women's soccer yeah. I think one I mean the alumni one, association like, that is a part of UNC sports is just ridiculous yeah yeah <laughs> yep yeah. you look yeah. yeah it's a who's who world-class athletes and, and like I remember one day we were like we were watching the women's lacrosse team play and one of our coaches was there um, just talking to somebody. We didn't know who it was. It was a lady with these, these kids running around. And once we get, like, up to him to go say hi to our coach, he's standing there talking to me at hand. And we were like, what the heck? Like, what is going – this is insane. Right. Or, like, Tyler Hansborough, who's going to go down as one of the best college basketball players ever. Yep. We would hang out with him every weekend. Gosh. So, yeah. It was fun to be part of all that. Yeah. And I remember from soccer trips going to North Carolina, we would always go to a restaurant on Franklin Street. I want to say it was numbers like 4... 411. 411. Yep. Oh, my gosh. So delicious. Yeah. So I think Anson actually owns... I don't know either if Anson or his brother owns like 411 because the soccer team goes there all the time. Oh, really? Uh, no, this was like yeah, youth think... soccer tournaments. Like we would go to one nice dinner like be, uh -huh. only on this trip i re only remember going to like a nicer place on this trip um but we would always go there and i just remember leaving there every time like this is so delicious <laughs> yeah 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 that was it's either 411 or spanky's or top of the hill yeah like the cool yeah the cool uh the cool places to go so b before your your most recent injury, so this injury in college, so you broke the same bone in both feet, and you got him repaired mm -hmm. at the same time. Like how how do you do that? <laughs> how do you function yeah, so after your that? Sesamoid, yeah, your sesamoid is a small. You have two of them actually. You have like one on the inside of your big toe, one on the outside of your big toe, and it's actually just with all the pressure you put on your feet in soccer, it's pretty pretty popular injury. In lacrosse, it's not as popular because we're not just you know, but it happened. Um, so I did. Like I said, I did one, like, sometime during my junior season and didn't know what it was. People think it's turf toe, so we just figured that's turf toe. Like, after the season, it'll go away, and it didn't. And then um, I actually dropped out of school and went to Africa during fall of my senior year. So it wasn't on campus. Got that's back cool. fall or spring of my junior – or my, spring of my senior year. Um, and the first day of practice, like, felt something in my foot and was like, great, it probably just happened to that one. And sure enough. That was it. Um, so when I came down to Charlotte after graduating, like you just play through it at that point, and it's painful, and I couldn't practice a ton my senior year, but it is what it is. Um, and then when they do it, like I got one room, they just literally go in and take it out. Cause you only need one, and they, if you mm -hmm. had to get them both removed, they could replace them. Okay. Um, they usually scar over, so you don't need it. So they removed one. Let's say they removed one in like June, and then they did the other one in probably September. 
because you're you they don't do them both at the same time um oh okay but it was, I was pretty like easy. I was like, were you just like wheelchair bound or how did that actually happen? So it was a couple months now, apart where you could put enough pressure on that foot. Yeah. And they could, I, I probably, if I needed to get them both on at the same time, they probably could. I had no, I mean, it was, I was already going to miss my rookie year in major league lacrosse. So there was not really any rush. So it was mm-hmm. like, let's do one. And then a few weeks later, we'll do the other. I, I also had a torn uh, adductor. So essentially oh, a sports gosh. hernia. So I had to get that fixed at the same time. So like, after college, it was like, all right, let's put the body back together. And yeah. There was no rush and fixing all that. So did you, was it during college or was it from a youth athlete, like when you were a youth athlete, did you always want to play pro? Was that really kind of coming to fruition and then these injuries happened and you didn't really know what was next or what, how did that kind of all unfold? Yeah, so our sport is so different, right? So the the, profe- the college level is bigger and more – it's kind of like women's soccer, right? Where the college yeah. level is like pinnacle. Like you have the pro game, but everyone looks at college. And then after college, people say, oh, it'd be cool to play, but not really. Like it's not a, a huge priority. So the, the goal was always to play in college and be the best college player you could be. Um, and then once I got to that point and I was playing in college and playing pretty well and knew that it was going to be an option to play professionally – um, that's when I got really interested in it. Growing up, you always say, like, "Yeah, I want to be a pro athlete. That'd be cool." For me, it was more I want to be I want to play professional football. Um, okay. And then your mindset changes when you know, like, and like I said, for me, re- the recruiting process involved both. Um, but it was you try to be realistic of it's just unlikely that you're going to be a professional football player. Yeah. Um, so there was n- I was never like, yeah, I'm dead set on playing professional lacrosse. Um, today, I think it's a lot different because the league's been around for. 20 years at this point, like when I had started playing, I think was around the time major lacrosse started. Okay. Um, so it just wasn't in the eyes of kids where now like the kids I coach, like, Oh, I want to play for the lizards or the hounds or name your pro team. And mm-hmm. so wasn't uh, it wasn't the priority. The priority was just be a great lacrosse, college lacrosse player and try to win a national championship. And then as kind of all those things started to unfold, eventually, MLL came into the picture and it's like, yeah, I definitely want to do that. Like that's the highest level. And then once I got into MLL and started playing major league lacrosse, you just get addicted. And yeah. You once yeah. you're on the field of that level and you're, you're surrounded by guys as good as, but you don't realize how good it is until you get into it. Yeah. And then it's kind of, Oh my gosh, like there's nothing better than this. These guys are incredible. So much fun. Right. Just, yeah. it brings a smile to my face. Just thinking about those, you know, teams that you're a part of and the, the special, how how good you can be surrounded by just players who are on the same level as you. So um, yeah, definitely yeah. know what you're feeling. So when you had to go through those injuries at that point and you're you're going through rehab, were you with the mindset of I got to get back so I can play? Or at that point, right after college, was it just not something that you were quite sure of yet? No, I definitely knew I wanted to play. Like, once you, you get so close, like, I, I definitely want to do this. I mean, it's something that – and going back, my, my goal was to always live and play in the same city. So I knew as I got closer to the end of my college career that I did want to do this. And so rehabbing it was definitely with the mindset of I do want to come back and play. And, and just like women's soccer, the, the national team is always in the picture. So that mm-hmm. was a goal for me. So started just to rehab as much as I could and, and get as healthy as I could. And then – I was playing for an expansion team, so it was it was a little interesting because we were not very good, um, and yeah. I was one of the better players right away. Okay, um, which is just a different. The good thing was I had an opportunity, whereas in 
in our league, it's really hard to get your foot in the door. So I was fortunate that a lot of things shook out and was able to get an opportunity and contribute early on, which I think gets you credibility and buys you a couple of years in the league. Um, but yeah, through the rehab process, I knew I, I wanted to do this and that I was going to rehab as much as I could to, to be good at this. Did you think that um, in a weird way, like when that injury happened in the in choosing to get surgery, do you think that helped you succeed a little bit in the first few years? Like put that drive and mindset in, a little bit more in your foundation of who you are and what you wanted to be in the league? I, I would say that surgery, the, the foot surgery, was just a complete inconvenience. Um, okay. But I did, I was, in general, sur- like, so I broke my ankle my senior year. So I keep going back to that. But my senior Gosh. year of football, I broke my Oh, ankle. yeah. In, in uh, okay. In high school, yeah. Uh-huh. I dislocated my ankle my senior year of high school football. And that injury was definitely one where, like, I grew up a ton during it. And, and because of it, I grew up a lot. And it was, it helped me realize as a high school kid, like, wow, I wish I would have been working 10 times harder. This injury would have never happened if I were in better shape, if mm-hmm. I were bigger, faster, stronger. So once that injury happened, it totally changed my mindset of, okay, if I want to play in college, I need to change a lot of things about how I'm eating, how I'm exercising, how I'm working out, like where my priorities are. So after that happened, then I got into my senior year. Um, thing, or Once my freshman year of college came, I had had that mindset of, yeah. okay, I, I, I need to do in the weight room and in the gym. Um, and the injury after college was just – that was from overdoing it. Like, your sesamoid, it wasn't – I didn't get checked. I didn't get stepped on. Like, I was doing too much footwork, and they were essentially stress fractures. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But I was, so, the injury in high school definitely changed my mindset. Yeah. Um, and probably helped you throughout y- your your most recent injury. But you, you talk about this expansion team. Was that in Charlotte when you first started yep, playing? Yeah. Well, that's convenient. Yeah, so that was a- <laughs> Well, yeah, it worked. So it, it, it was announced my senior year of college. So I didn't know where I was going to live, but I knew that Charlotte would be an option uh, because they were going to have a pro team oh. my first year out of school. So uh-huh. it worked out really well. Like the team was announced during my senior year and they were going to start play, not my rookie summer, but what would have been my second summer in the league. So I was missing my rookie year. So I was actually the first player on the roster because I was already living in Charlotte, like it kind of seen a lot of like I kind of had a path in mind that mm-hmm. okay there's gonna be a team here I can live here rehab here coach here play here and so it worked out really well but that uh that was definitely part of if it wasn't Charlotte if they didn't have a team I would probably have been in Denver or Boston with the same idea like I want to be in the city where I mm-hmm. want to play well Denver or, wouldn't have been too bad play. that's where I am Yep. Yeah. Yep. I would, that would be a lot of fun. I would not mind Denver at all. Right. I love it up there. <laughs> um, but Charlotte, man, that worked out nice. And you played, um, so kind of, you know, we, we started talking because your most recent injury just last year was you tore your ACL and that was with the Charlotte team. Yeah. So I played for Charlotte for my first five years in the league and got hurt my fifth year. I will say I started the year <laughs> Back in December, so this was going back to 2016. So uh-huh. we were out, uh, we were in LA for Christmas, and Whitney was playing with the national team at this point. Uh-huh. Um, and we were training, like it was me, we were, at, we were out to the soccer field, and it was me, Whitney, Kristen Press, um, Beast Mode Dave. I don't know his last Beast name. Beast Mode Dave, Dave yep. Nope, just yeah. call him Beast Mode um, Dave. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yep. Dave was there. Um, Alex and Servando were there, and we're playing. So I don't think I don't think Alex didn't play. So it's it's me, Whitney, Kristen, 
Servando, Dave, and like one other guy playing soccer. So I have no business being on the field whatsoever. Like right. completely out of my league. I would so, feel yeah, the same way, out. don't worry. I would feel the same way. Yeah. Anybody would. Like it was insane. Like I was like, all right, unless I'm playing major league soccer, I do not fit in this picture. Um, so we're playing and it happened to be raining out and I had had a, an event and I, I'll hold this against Whitney forever. Uh, I had, had a, an event with the men's national lacrosse team coming up in January. So I needed Nike cleats anyway. And I, we were out there for Christmas, so I didn't bring any cleats or anything with me. Like, I just had sneakers and it was kind of raining and we knew we were going to play soccer. So I kept kind of getting on Whitney, like, let's go get cleats. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going to need them. I might as well just buy a pair and we'll have them. And we decided, for whatever reason, we decided not to. And we go out there and we're playing soccer. I have no cleats on and just completely bust up my ankle. Like, oh, my gosh. Fall yeah. over a ball. Have, again, just like, totally out of my league playing like three on three or four on four. Your so. same ankle? Um, no, the other one. Ankle, the other one. It was just, yeah, the other ankles. And it wasn't, I didn't break it. I just no, strained it really bad. Yeah, like, yeah, which is worse than a break a lot of the times. Yeah, which yeah, and it just lingered around. So then go down to the, our national team event uh, in Florida. Like, can barely play because my ankle's jacked up. And then now we're getting close to our training camp. So it's it's probably February, March, and then end up like just trying to do too much again, rehabbing, and, and um, herniated a disc in my back. So like oh just gosh. one injury piling up after another, which is how this stuff always works out. Right. So that this is the summer of 2016. Like missed three or four games because my back was screwed up and like had. A, static nerve thing going on it just was a complete nightmare mm-hmm. and a complete mess and come back and play and I'm, I'm starting to like feel good and play all right and, and just playing myself into shape because I missed all of training camp and missed all of the first half of the season so it was in and I couldn't run from a, I mean yeah. getting hurt and just or I couldn't really run until I started playing again um, so then wrong place at the wrong time somebody dove and, and landed into my knee and completely tore everything oh. and and then got cut. Right, uh, right after that. Like, yeah, I got cut after that. And they can do that. ACL. Yeah, so our it's all year to year contract. So I tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus. Got surgery, got everything fixed, and then it was kind of like had no thoughts. Like, didn't even never crossed my mind that I would get cut. It just went through the, the process. Was focused on rehabbing. Like. Didn't think anything of it. And then in September, I think maybe September, October of every year, they have to give um, – you cut down your rosters to 23 guys or 25 guys or something. So I thought, why wouldn't I be on that? If anything, they just throw me on – like they just keep me on IR and it's it kind of it shouldn't be an issue. And right. didn't hear anything. And then the list comes out and I'm not on it. I was like, like I'm not on the protective list. I was cut. And, got a voicemail from our general manager who said, hey, we're going to let you go and we're going to try to pick you up later, but for now we're not going to protect you with your injury. And I said, okay, that's interesting. And right. Just didn't didn't see it coming at all. And then the supplemental draft comes where everybody kind of builds up their roster again for the fall, for the next season, for the 2017 season. Charlotte, like they have the first round of the draft goes by, they don't pick me. The second round of the draft comes, nobody picks me. Second round of the draft comes by. Charlotte doesn't pick me again. And then New York picked me up towards the bottom half of that um, that second round. So it was just kind of speechless. Like, yeah. I grew up in New York, had fa- some family in New York, but my parents were in Charlotte. My sister was in Charlotte. My right. Whitney, was, I, Whitney was in Charlotte. Um, so had no, like, 
was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And didn't know of any of the conversations behind the scenes. Like, why wasn't Charlotte picking me up? They said they were going to. Didn't really know any of that. Right. So New York picked me up. Um, wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to play. They had no idea if I was going to be able to play. Like, they had asked me if I intended on playing. And I, I told them I, I did intend on playing, but just didn't know what the recovery timetable would look like. Um, so I went through the rehab process and was playing in, in June, which was probably about a month probably I was playing in early June. I didn't think I'd be back until July 4th. So um, probably just over, just over 10 months versus like was hopeful that I'd be able to play at 11 months and realistic, that I probably wouldn't be able to play in, until a year. And then uh-huh. the season just got over. So I probably wouldn't play this summer, um, but it worked out that it did. Yeah, it did. Because probably a lot of the decisions you made in, in the, throughout that process, right? Like what, when you go, let's go back to the injury. The injury happens um, right away. Like, what are your thoughts when you feel that person fall on your leg? Did you think that it was your ACL right away? Yeah, so it's actually fun. I mean, it, it, so I can be pretty out. So in our league, you can dive in the crease to shoot. So um, in college across, you cannot dive. Like, you can't dive oh. through the crease. You can't land or anything. And in our sport, in our league, you can. They think it's an exciting play, so they've made it legal. And I've always been pretty outspoken against it. And I actually sent out a tweet like in May, right? Really? When started of, yeah. So it was probably bit me in the ass, but it was like, this should be illegal. Somebody's going to get hurt. Like sure enough, a couple months go by guys driving underneath a play that I've seen a hundred times, like just start to kind of hedge and slide to him and he dives and lands right in it. And when it happened, um, I was like, okay, that, that felt really weird. Like, my knee felt like it opened. Like, I don't – Yeah. I had that feeling. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just remember going down and holding my knee and, like, not looking at it, but just kind of feeling it, like, what's going on. And it just felt – it felt like something was out of place. And I never looked at it. But our trainer came right on the field and just told me not – don't move. Like, just stay here. Let me get a wheelchair. Um, so I was just kind of – like, I didn't say a word. I didn't look at anything. I just kind of laid there and was holding my knee. And the trainers came out, and apparently, like, my kneecap was dislocated. And mm. It was just not a good situation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. I was kind of, I was hoping that it wasn't my ACL, but kind of had a feeling it was. And so get off the field. They take me in the locker room, and then the doctor comes in. And I've known, I mean, I've known our trainer forever. I've known our doctor actually since I was in college because he came up to UNC for some stuff. Okay. Um, and he's been the same team doctor in Charlotte for my first five years. And he literally comes in does the two tests right away to test your ACL that everybody knows kind of like grab the back of your leg and shake it and open it mm-hmm. up on the side. And right away he was like, yep, you did your ACL, your MCL, and we'll see you on Thursday for surgery. And I was just like, okay. Like, Isn't that? Right, that's how this, yeah. Like, not even a second guess. He was like, we'll get an MRI in the morning just to confirm it, but this is what it is, and I don't really have any doubt. And like, All right, well, at least you know. Like, there's no. But no sometimes in the moment that, like, bluntness is like – okay, this is my life. Yeah. Like you yeah. just gave yeah. me like a big, a big bit of news and you're just acting like it's any other day. Totally nonchalant. Just like, Hey, this is what it is. Cool. Yeah. And I, uh, I remember I, I had, I sent like, as soon as I got my phone, I texted Whitney out and she was, they were going to Brazil because it was the Olympics. Mm. Uh, and I told her like, Hey, I just tore my ACL man. So I want to say she was like, either why are you texting me the game's going on or like she hadn't like she hadn't maybe not have landed in brazil yet but i remember she saw it and she was just like almost thought i was messing with her okay. um, 
but was like, nope, this really just happened. Like it's, it's completely torn. Um, and leading up to that, I had always like my entire ML career. I was always like, if I suffer an injury, like it's so hard to play in our league. If I suffer an injury, there's no way I'm going to be able to come back from it. And I always said, if it's my ACL, that's it. Like my career is over. Um, and then as soon as it happened, like that night, you're like, I'm not really done. Like I definitely, yeah. I've always said I'm done, but I, I'm going to keep playing. Like I definitely have a lot more left in me. What do you think um, it was that like sparked that attitude from you right away? I think it's so easy for somebody to, like when you have everything and like when you have total control of the situation, it's always like everyone hates conditioning. As soon as conditioning is taken away, you're like, Oh, why can't I go run? You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of one of those situations and like when it was my terms and I was totally healthy and I thought I was invincible and never thought this would happen. It was like, Oh yeah, if that happens, I'm done. Like I'll move on, whatever. And then as soon as that, that control more or less is taken away from you, uh-huh. you're like, I'm not ready to give that up. Like give it back. Like it's still, that's still my toy. I'm still yeah. playing with it and I'm right. not ready to stop. <laughs> so my toy, so that, <laughs> we, yeah. re- we revert to being three years old. Exactly. Do. Yep. Yep. You're like, yep, I'm not, uh, I'm not ready to be finished. So it was definitely a, a change in mindset right away. And I didn't totally know what like was ahead of me. I just figured out oh, it's my ACL. It's a year. I'll probably miss most of the next summer. Let me just see, like, why don't I just, let's just see what happens. Like, let's kind of approach this thing one day at a time. And I didn't know, I didn't know anything. Like when, when I, as I started to get into the process of like, how are they going to fix my knee? What are the different pieces? Um, you do start to go into a little bit of panic, like for my, because I did a multi-leg and it was ACL and MCL. Mm-hmm. They were like, I, I have a cadaver's Achilles tendon as my MCL. And oh, wow. like everybody does, Googling everything. of like, why are they using that? Like, why can't they just sew mine back together? Like, why does it have to be a cadaver's? What if it doesn't take? Like everything that could go wrong, just Googling it for like those. I did it Saturday night and I got surgery Thursday. So for those couple days, yeah, was literally googling everything like why are they doing this why are they doing that like not nervous or do i want to use this doctor why don't i want to use another doctor For sure like, Whitney mm-hmm. has, everyone has doctors everyone has the best surgeon in the world so you start to question all that stuff but right and in terms of playing it was definitely just the mindset changed right away that's it's so true like everybody has the best doctor but i always tell people like you have to find what if you have a meeting with that doctor and you don't feel comfortable then it's probably not the doctor for you and you have to yeah. feel like when you're going into surgery, like you trust that person. And um, if you have a hesitation, then you probably should just meet with somebody else. And it's fine to meet with somebody else and just see what's out there. But um, for you, you know, it's nice to know that you had someone that you could go to and they could repair your MCL, even if it was with a, a cadaver. And so then do, for your ACL, did they use patella? Yeah, so for me, they used the patella for my ACL. So they use that. They use my patella tendon for my ACL, mm-hmm. and then they use the cadaver for the MCL and the meniscus. They just kind of cleaned up. Yeah. Um, what was the I, hardest? Like you, oh, go ahead. Everybody, like you said, everybody has the best doctor. And my thing was like, okay, the doctor is the doctor. Like he's just going to do the procedure. And I was a big believer of like, what's best for the rehab process. Mm-hmm. Like, and I wanted it was really important to be able to have kind of everybody in line. So like the good the, the place I went the doctor is in one room seeing patients and in the next room is the physical therapist and where I'd be doing my rehab. So for me, just like having that connectivity between yeah. the two was really important versus going to any, I mean, I could have had any doctor in the world, like extremely fortunate between obviously everybody Whitney knows. And like I have friends that are doctors in the NFL and knew that I would have a ton of options, but it right. was more important of like, okay, instead of just trying to chase what I think is best, like this is what 
yeah is here for me this is what i'm really comfortable with and this is what's going to allow me to the rehab process is that much more important to me and these are the guys in my backyard so mm-hmm. this is what i want to go with and to have um, the communication communication and th- through the whole yeah. you know from the first day to getting back on the field and still working through those like last kinks and stuff like that communication in the process, whether it's you to your doctor, your PT to your doctor, all those channels have to be clear and you have to be willing and able every, all, all the participants to communicate with one another in order for this to all go the way it should. Yeah. Yep. And that like you said, that's exactly what I wanted. And I was really fortunate that I little I live, maybe a mile down the road from where yeah. my doctor was where I was rehabbing. So like, it was honestly, if this was going to happen, this was like, yeah, the, I had all the best options in place if, if it did happen. Right. What was the hardest part of the last, well, now it's been a year, but a little over a year, but really the, the rehab process. Um, yeah. So for me, the hardest part was kind of before. So sure enough, like this whole thing goes on and, and right as soon as like I get out of surgery and, I was, I don't take, a, um, let's say it's Oxycontin. Like my body just doesn't take Oxycontin. Like it's not an effective painkiller. So it was uh-huh. pretty uncomfortable. This, the night of surgery, like figuring out which drug works for my body. And this had happened to me before when I broke my ankle, like just, but I just didn't remember because it was what, eight years before. Um, so remembering that part of like, oh crap, this drug doesn't work. That was pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually got out of the hospital, like going like, my everything was swollen and you expect everything to be swollen but go to the physical therapist for the first time and he's like this is really swollen like oh. it should be a little bit lower than like it should be a little bit less swollen than it is he's like let's just check tomorrow so we go back the next day and he's like you probably don't have a blood clot but let's go check just to make sure because of how swollen it still is and sure enough i was like no nah, I'm, I'm sure i don't but yeah let's go get it mm-hmm. so sure enough they get over there they do the test and there's a blood clot and that was just like the, and that Whitney was playing, um, whoever they were playing, like that was, she was starting in the Olympics against whoever they were playing and like Ugh. had the full intent of watching that game. And instead I'm in the emergency room getting a, like all this stuff sucks. Like I was supposed to go to Brazil because she was in the Olympics. This right. injury happened. Right. I wasn't going to Brazil. So like all that stuff sucks and it was bad, but I was at least like, okay, well I'm going to play. I can watch. Julie had gotten. Yeah. Ugh. So Whitney was starting. So it was like, okay, this is awesome. Like, I'll go to rehab. I'll be back. The game starts at 4.30. I'll throw the game on, like, get some dinner and just lay in bed and, like, make the best of a bad situation. And right. get over there and the PT is like, let's go get you a, let's go get this scan because you may have a blood clot. And then, like, once they told me it was a blood clot, that was, like, rock bottom of, like, nothing's going well. Like, this sucks. Like, one thing after another is going wrong. This is going to be, a, this whole process is going to be a complete nightmare. So that was when, like, all the emotions just came full speed. Mm. Um, and it was just a complete wreck after that happened. And then, just like always, you kind of get through that part. And then the, the process from there was actually pretty easy. Like, it was, it's such a mindset game. Um, yeah. So once through the blood clot and, like, got kind of, like, all that stuff figured out, like, got the stitches out like once I started the rehab process it was actually I don't want to say it was easy because it wasn't but I was so focused on little targets throughout it little milestones throughout it that I I was actually surprised at just how energized I was throughout it and how efficient I could be in my workouts and like there were sure enough there were days that were frustrating but for the most part it was like all right it's six weeks I get off crutches at 
whatever at three months I can run at this, you know, at this marker, I can do this. I can swim. I can jump. I can do sprints kind of hitting those checks throughout it. So it was honestly super early on that I was just overwhelmed. And then after that, it, it got really easy because of those little landmarks. Yeah. And I think that's such a key in the process. Like even if it is a bad day, knowing that, okay, tomorrow is going to be different and today doesn't have to make tomorrow bad. Yep. Yep. I've always tried to keep the mindset of like, you can't have your best workout every day of the week. So that was my, like in the gym, that's mm. always been my approach. Like, it's okay if I have a bad workout because I'm going to have a good one tomorrow. If I, if I was going to have my best workout every day of the week, something's wrong. Yeah. And, and kind of tried to carry that into this. Like I'm going to have a good rehab sessions every day, but it's not always going to be my best. There's going to be days where it's swollen or uncomfortable or just not as strong as the day before. And I think I was very fortunate that just being mature enough to say, okay, I'm, I was 20, I'm 27 years old. Like uh-huh. I understand this whole process. I understand how important the rehab part of it is. I'm not going to skimp on any of this because yeah. this is something that's taken care of for the rest of my life. Um, and so it was, it was, like I said, it was okay when there wasn't great days, but it was, all right, if I can do whatever, if I can just make this week really good, that's going to get me, like, range of motion is the big one early on. So it was like, all right, if I can get to 80 degrees today, if I can get to 85 tomorrow, 87 the day after, 90 mm-hmm. the day after, you know, kind of, then it was, all right, can I get around on the bike? Like, can I do one full circle on the bike pedal? Can I do 15 minutes on the bike pedal? Can I do, you know, can I lower my seat and do a little bit harder angle on, on the pedal so that my knee bends a little bit more? Mm-hmm. So just kind of create that. I don't, I don't want to say created games, but just found little challenges along the way that would just help the recovery process. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, do you, do you think anything that you did was key in that recovery process? You, you've mentioned um, your, just like your nutrition earlier. Is that something that you really focus on during recovery? Yeah, that was, so I learned early on. So when I got hurt in high school, I definitely learned like you can't just eat like trash because <laughs> you're not running. You have to be mindful of all that stuff. Um, so I, I did, Whitney was here. The Olympic, Olympics eventually ended. They ended sooner than we would have all liked. So Whitney was back and she was cooking and making sure that we were eating the right food. So that was super helpful, um, but was mindful of my nutrition. I actually probably didn't eat enough before I got hurt. So knew that, okay, I'm, I was rehabbing twice a day. So I was going in the morning on my own and I was meeting with my physical therapist in the afternoon. So, okay, I just need to be smart that I'm making sure I'm getting enough food in me because I'm crushing my body right now and I need to have stuff that's going to allow me to do this. Right. Um, that was a big one of like just getting enough food in me because I'm doing so much rehab and I need energy. Um, and the other stuff, like I said, it's just it's trying Sorry. to keep it positive. And that was the big one of, like, even though there'd be bad days or tough situations, it was like, okay, well, the worst part of this is behind me, right? Like, I've already gotten the surgery. Yeah. Like, the injury's yeah. already happened. So, it can only get better. Like, um, every day that I'm a day out of surgery is a day closer to being able to play again and being recovered and being 100%. So, I think keeping that mindset was really helpful. Yeah. Um, but, the, like, the nutrition stuff was big. Um, work, like, just having a, a good support group and then – for me, I tried to take care of the scar. I knew the scar was going to be nat. I've got like an eight-inch scar on my leg. So I yeah. knew that that was going to be nat. Um, so I would spend time every morning and every night just like working on the scar, mm-hmm. putting fish Breaking oil up on it. Breaking up this, yeah. 
breaking up all the stuff, like moving it, pinching it, all the stuff they tell you to do just to help with the flexibility. So now I have this massive scar on my leg, but it's not, fortunately the doctor kept it looking pretty decent and, yeah. and it moves you're in some areas, Yeah. but it was definitely, uh, just try to pay attention to all the stuff they say, be positive and, and actually do the stuff that you're told to do in rehab. And you'd be surprised how many people don't. Yeah, I know. It shocks me. It really does shock me. Um, mm -hmm. I have a friend who works in the physical therapy industry, like helping people, um, helping physical therapists get their patients to come and stay involved in their physical therapy. And he's like, yeah, you'd be surprised how many people don't come. And he told me the numbers. And I was like, what? I like looked oh, forward crazy. to PT because I was like, I got to get better. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need more. I actually need more PT. Yep. Can you give me more PT? I'll take all of your visits. Um, yeah. So, like we always talk, I mean, we would kind of joke as therapists, we'd have high school kids, like I would be rehabbing my butt off and I'm here. I am the, the professional athlete closer to the end of his career than the start. And you have these high school kids that come in that are trying to play a college sport or, or trying yeah. to play at the high school level better. And they're like, shoes are untied. Like if they even have shoes, they're probably wearing <laughs> like boots or something like wearing jeans to rehab a knee injury, like this, this crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, dude, come in and like your gym attire, like you're going to gym right, class. It's time to you're work. Ready to go. Yep. You have, we always laugh and I'm fortunately I wasn't guilty of it during, during <laughs> rehab, but like constantly cell phones out, like yeah. getting tweets mid rehab is like, all right, like I kind of get some of that, but just maybe try to focus here for an hour and get your rehab done right. out of here. But what do you think the biggest thing you learned in the process was? Um, gosh, I would say in terms of like actual recovery, like stuff I learned about the body, um, balance is super important. And one thing I probably forgot to do and didn't do enough of, which I'm sure everybody's in the same boat, is just can like balance in terms of like your ability to balance on a ball and like your ability to balance on one leg, but also balance in the strength of your legs. Yeah. So everyone talks about re-injury rates and they spend so much time, like you do all of this work on one leg. And if you completely forget the other leg, well, that's how you're going to get hurt again. Or mm -hmm. if you spend much time developing your quads and forget to work your hamstrings, your glutes, your groins, that's going to be an issue down the road. So I, I tried to keep that in mind throughout it, but just still didn't do enough on my hamstrings where like now my hamstrings are super tight, tighter than they've ever been mm. just because of the, uh, so going back, I probably would have done a little bit more to keep my hamstrings engaged and, and strengthen my hamstrings. It's hard because you just the nature of the injuries, you can't really, you can work your quads a lot sooner than you can work yeah. your hamstrings. And right it's a lot easier to rehab and build your quad strength than it is. You're, there's only so many hamstring curls and variations <laughs> you can do. Right. Um, but that was, that was a big one of like, try to keep balance and flexibility is, is important. Like I, I've always been flexible, but it just probably didn't do enough of it because I was so focused on like, get stronger, get stronger, get stronger. And now my hamstrings are super tight, which is fine, yeah. but right. it's just you're tweak them or pull them or the lesser of all the evils. Um, is just going to be with me for a while. Yeah. I always think it is really interesting how much we learn about our bodies when we do get hurt and how amazing they are. Um, do you feel like in general, you're a more well-rounded human as a result of going through um, not just this injury, but like tough, the, the injuries that you've sustained in your career or, or maybe just this one, you know, it happened at a time where you didn't really see it coming and 
um, maybe it makes you realize how thankful for you are for all the things that you can do. Yeah, I think you become resilient. And yeah, like I said, I was I was kind of surprised. I surprised my like I've always taken pride in kind of my work ethic, but I was still surprised. Like I said, just what I was able to accomplish throughout the rehab and mm-hmm. surprised my like the ability to bring energy every day and bring a positive attitude every day. Like with all this stuff going on, with how down like you, so many people feel bad for you and they're sorry this happened and. and there's there are going to be days you're kind of like shit why did this happen to me but the i think that if you can surprise yourself with your work ethic your attitude and being resilient in the face of all this stuff i think that that was something i learned about myself um i don't know i would say like i don't know how well-rounded it made me i would say more of just like resilient and and you just remembered how strong like how strong you can be in in times of Um, difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I think we have to remind ourselves sometimes of that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think the other one that that surprised me was like just how helpful people are. Like I remember everything from people driving you places, picking you up food, to dropping you off meals. to Uh Like I, like I said, Whitney was in Brazil. So I was on my own in our apartment, like trying to figure out dinner, trying to figure out meals, like trying to do anything around my apartment on my own. Um, so it, you're surprised at how helpful people can be, whether it's driving you somewhere or holding a door for you or bringing you something to eat. Or like, yeah. I remember I would go to the gym and I was on crutches, so I couldn't like carry my own weights all over the place. So people would just constantly help me with like, Hey, do you want me to rack your weights? Do you want me to set this up for you? Like, what can I bring you? Do you need a foam roller? Like instead of me hopping all over, people were kind of jumping over backwards to help me out, which you don't, and you don't, I, I don't think you always, recognize that when yeah. you are able-bodied right on your own but the people will go above and beyond to help you right um that's cool i it's and and now you're back playing and things went well mm-hmm. and um probably feels good to have that kind of over and done with <laughs> yeah no it's definitely uh it's it's always nice to have it behind you it's it, something that sticks like so I'll, I'll always be mindful of my knee and rehabbing it and yeah stronger like it's 100 percent but it is yeah it's definitely nice to have the worst behind you um is this something now that you have been more oh like you say you run all these camps is that something now you're incorporating or have you already incorporated some kind of like fitness and strength training aspect to your camp do you feel like that is a, a need or do you just look at this as kind of like a fluke accident and um you know for male lacrosse players it's not I mean, it is common, and I, I've talked to a player, a guy who is a lacrosse player. I've seen a lot of lacrosse players with ACLs, but yours was more of like an impact injury than anything. Yeah, mine was a total freak. Like, I, and even to this day, like you're, I get. It took me time to get real to get comfortable with the fact of like, yes, I've played this game for since I was in fifth grade, and this happened to me one time. Right. You know, it's like you do just need to get comfortable with that, and it's hard. Like the the first couple times I was on the field this year, just the first time being back from the injury, you are hesitant. Like you do go into things with a little bit more caution than you may have in the past. But after a few times, you're like, okay, it's probably like the odds of that happening again are super low. Um, in terms of the kids I coach, we're always kind of developing. Like we tell all of our kids, become best friends with the squat rack. Like mm. we're just always like find your way in there, get your lower power, you get your base as strong as you possibly can, because that's sports, whether it's soccer, lacrosse, football, baseball, everything starts with your legs. So we've kind of always emphasized that. And I think now it's just, 
now we we probably make more of a game of it of like who's squatting the most, who's, yeah. you know, who's in the squat often, um, those you, kinds of things. Are yeah, definitely a priority. So you talk about your first game back. Do you feel like your first game back, you were fully Ryan again, or did it take a few months or games to get back to feeling like a hundred percent you? No, it wasn't even close. I almost threw <laughs> up on the first face off. Um, <laughs> Is super nervous. No, I, I wasn't even close to 100% this year. I mean, like I was, I didn't hit the year mark until the last weekend of the season, right? Or the second to last of the season. So, for me, it's much more of like the fact that I was able to play at all was was great, was comforting, and was surprising. Like again, just with how competitive our league was, I thought there was no chance, even if I was healthy, that I would be able to. I didn't think I would. The team I was on, the level of talent we had, I didn't think I'd make this team even if I was 100%. And, so being able to play and being able to contribute and help, I don't think I hurt us. I don't know how much I helped us. But I don't think I hurt us. <laughs> I'm sure you did all, more than you thought. All, <laughs> yeah, it was all huge. Um, and But it's more of like, okay, am I going to feel 90% this year? But yeah. I, I mean, I'll never feel 90% again. But it's kind of like if I can feel 90% or 95% or 85% in year two after the injury, then, then that's a great thing. Uh, but I, I'd never had any expectations this year that I would be anywhere close to that. Part of it's just getting comfortable in a knee brace, you know, mm-hmm. realizing what your limitations are and what your, your, your skill set's naturally going to change because you're not as fast or as quick as you used to be. So it's just adjusting to all those things and learning what the new normal is and where you can play guys. And I'm, my position is defense. So I'm always reading and reacting. So right. there's just an adjustment with that. So you become a little that, smarter. Just, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Use, use my old day advantage (laughs) last question for you is the podcast is called show your scars and what does that mean to you uh i think it just like be kind of be open be out like be be open with what happened be open with your beyond your injury be open with your personality you know put yourself out there and and that could mean a lot of different things like for me personally I've, i've been a lot more active on social media than I've ever been. I've been working on a YouTube project. And one of the things uh, that like you say, share your scars. One of the things with that is like, you're going to have trolls. You're going to have haters. You're going to have people that, that don't view things the way you view them or don't support what you're doing or what you're saying. And I think just putting yourself out there and being open with your beliefs, being open with your personality, being open with your thoughts and ideas. Um, that would kind of be how I understand that. Cool. Deal yeah. with who you are. For me, and what you've gone through, always, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. It's definitely, yeah, uh, you don't need to, you can share those thoughts, share those ideas, and there's going to be people that don't like it, and there's going to be people that are like 100% on board with everything you're doing and everything you're about, so that would be, uh, that would be my takeaway. I love it, Ryan. Well, I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I think it's, it's so cool to just see how different people get through the injury and how some people it's really difficult and they have ups and downs and some people it's hard right at the beginning, like you said, and then you kind of just breeze through it one step at a time and, and focusing on that can help anybody uh, through the process. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Always enjoy it. And uh, if I can help with anything, let me know. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed Ryan and his story and how he is showing his scars every single day and being proud of what he's gone through and continuing to realize that although he is back from his ACL, he's still pushing that last 20%, right? Still trying to get back to 100%. And 
he feels like himself again, but maybe in a year he'll get that step back that he said he's he's not quite as fast as he used to be. Or And that's okay, that everything doesn't have to fall together perfectly in the timeline that your brain has created for, for some reason. Well, I know I recreate it because we see all these professional athletes who have recovered so what looks like easily and quickly and they're faster and this and that. But you can't compare yourself to anybody else. Your journey is so unique and we have commonalities within all our journeys, but you have to appreciate the commonalities, but also appreciate your differences. So just want to thank Ryan for taking the time talking with us. If there was a certain part of his podcast that you really enjoyed, with his journey, go ahead and reach out to us or you can write a review in our iTunes. That would be amazing just to hear what you have to say about Ryan and his journey. Also, if you want to connect with Ryan, you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at RyanFlanagan24 and shoot him a DM or send him a tweet, whatever your social media of choice is, because Ryan wants to help you out and he would love to hear from you. So connect with him, watch his journey and see all that he is up to in his life. As always, you guys go out there, show your scars with pride and show everybody all that you've been through and all that it has made you into today. Hey, podcast listeners, thanks so much for your ears. If you would write a review, that would mean the world to me. Thanks for your time. I know time is valuable and I appreciate you spending some time with me.